Okay, I'm with um, Izzeddin Mustafa, um, recording in uh, oral history for the Trans Oral History Project, which seeks to document the lives of trans uh, New Yorker, trans and gender non-conforming uh, New Yorkers. Um, it is April 11th, 2017. I'm in um, my apartment um, with Izzeddin and... Um, I think we uh, we're gonna begin. If you could just tell me um, where where you were born and um, a little bit about your your parents would be good. Sure. Um, so I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in the Southwest, and my parents. Um, my mother was born in uh, this town called Beeville, Texas, um, and she so she's Texan. And my dad was born in a small village in um, the occupied West Bank in Palestine um, called Jama'in. And uh, my father, he's he comes from a Palestinian Muslim family, um, very conservative. And my mother comes from a very conservative uh, Southern Baptist Christian family. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what you mean by conservative in each context? Um, so in the context context of my mother, um, they come from, she comes from a family that's very conservative in the sense of, um, really holding on to political, conservative political beliefs. Uh, like they're, they're diehard Republicans, um, very much supporters of, uh, like the what are they called? Born Again Christian Movement. Um, they, they, basically, they're Trump supporters, um, and they also are uh, very pro-Israel, Christian Zionist. So they're very conservative in the political sense, but also um, in the, like, religious sense, they are very much about, um, I guess when I say conservative, they're, in the, in that that context, they're very much about protecting their way of life and their uh, whiteness. <laughs> I guess if that's like an academic term, but that's the best way I could describe it. Um, and then on my father's side, um, they're very conservative in the sense that, you know, um, a lot of my family members have don't have a college education, and they were born and raised in a small village. Um, they they're very religious, so they're very like. Um, into practicing Islam, um, and they are very, um, I don't want this to come off as like, you know, I hope it doesn't come off like insulting or whatever, but they live a very like simple life. Like they, they do what they can to, you know, meet, uh, to meet like what they need at the end of the week. I forgot the figure of speech. Um, and they they really just try to live the life they, the best way they can um, without being intruded by, by others. Um, and also they live under occupation. So um, a lot of it, a lot of the conservatism has to do with like them finding a place of like solace or solace um, mm -hmm. amongst such brutal like yeah madness around them um 
Can you can you tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Albuquerque? Yeah, Albuquerque is a really cool place. I guess if you would have asked me that two years ago before um, I made my move to New York, I wouldn't say that. But retrospectively, it's an amazing place to grow up because you are surrounded by nature um, and amazing, like, humble people. Um, Albuquerque is, I think, one of the most underrated cities or places on Earth um, because you have um, these mountains that literally surround you and you have, uh, like, we call it a small big city because... You know, it's not really six degrees of separation there. It's, like, more like two. Like, you know somebody who knows of somebody who knows of somebody. So there's, like, that community feeling everywhere you go. And um, I grew up, like, in a pretty comfortable childhood. My parents did their best to, like, make sure that me and my brothers, um, you know, had what we could just to, like, you know, get a good education and to be able to, um, partake in like recreational things like sports. Um, and yeah, Albuquerque, you know, it's, there's also downfalls of course with, you know, having like everybody knowing each other. Um, and that's part of the reason I moved to New York is for the, to be anonymous in a lot of ways. Um, because in Albuquerque, it's like everybody, everyone knows your shit. (laughs) What was it like for you, uh, given your given your family background, growing up in Albuquerque? And um, if you could like tell us a story about that, that'd be cool. Like in terms of my fam, like my yeah, my mom and my yeah, your, uh, like were there a lot of were there a lot of Palestinians in Albuquerque? And... Yeah. Um, so in Albuquerque, uh, it was interesting because growing up. I didn't, like, up until I was nine, I didn't really have a full understanding of my background. Um, my parents were very much, you know, uh, my dad really wanted us to be Muslim and my mom really wanted us to be Christian. And even though they both weren't religious, that religious themselves. Um, and so it was this constant confusion of, like, I would be in Sunday school at church, at my grandmother's church, learning about Jesus Christ. And then on on Friday, I'd be at the mosque at, like, some youth program learning about Muhammad, and then I would just confuse the two, and, you know, I didn't really, I, when people asked me what my ethnicity was, I would be like, I'm half Christian and half Muslim, because I honestly had no idea what was going on, um, but then as I started going into middle school, um, my mom started backing away, I think, from, uh, the Christian kind of mentality and faith, um, and a lot of that had to do after 9-11, uh, my mom started to open up her eyes a lot more about the Islamophobia that was going on and the anti-Arab prejudice. Like, that was my dad. My dad was really affected by with his employment and everything. Um, and so my so I, my, I started becoming more, in, or I started going into more, like, Arab Muslim spaces. So, like, a lot of my friends were Arab and Muslim. Um, even up at my school, I hung out with, like, a lot of the kids that would come over during the weekend um, to visit my parents, um, and, and so it was, like, this weird balance of, uh, you know, starting to identify with my Arab roots, but also still being, like, a very, an American kid, um, I, I guess, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, in, there's so many things that it's in relation to, um, 
like when you ask that question, what was it like? It's like, how do I pinpoint um, certain thing? But basically, uh, I remember I'm trying to think of a good story. All right, I just wanted to pick up on um, what we were talking about with um, life in Albuquerque. Um, are you the oldest? No, I'm actually the middle child. I have an older brother um, who is now 30 and a younger brother who's 22. So um, so what was that like having two brothers <laughs> and, you know, being someone who... Um, you know, what was your experience of gender like with that, I guess? Would be, <laughs> yeah. That's a big question, but... No, I mean, having two brothers definitely, you know, sometimes it was awesome, sometimes it wasn't, no. I guess <laughs> um, for for me, you know, I was really close with my brothers, um, especially my younger brother growing up. We're only two, two and a half years apart. So um, we did everything together. Um up until like college even. So I spent a lot of good I spent a lot of time with him and then my cousin Bilal. Um and we used to skateboard. So I skated a lot, um, with my brother and my cousin Bilal and we would skateboard, we would go to net cafes and play Counter Strike. We would we would um do a lot of things that, you know, typical boys would do, but the only difference is that you know, I wasn't, I wasn't born, quote unquote, a man um, or a boy or whatever. Um, so like gender definitely defined a lot of like, you know, obstacles for me growing up in terms of the circles that I ran in. Um, I remember vividly, actually, this is an anecdote that I found out that I was actually a girl was um, I was at a skate park with my brother and my cousin below. We were just like skating. It was like a typical Saturday. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, these boys, they start saying, D you have you have blood on your jeans. I'm like, wait, what do you mean I have blood on my jeans? I'm like, I didn't fall or anything. Where's the blood? Like, I was looking all around. I was maybe 12. Um, and I was like, what do you mean I have blood on my jeans? They're like, on your butt. You have blood on your butt. And I'm like, what do you mean I have blood on my butt? So then I, like, I like go to my brother. I'm like, Jed, they say I have blood on my butt, and I didn't even fall. Like, am I, in am I just, like, bleeding? Am I dying? And he's like, he's like, yo, come here, let's call mom. So I called my mom, and my mom came, and I started, I was crying. I was like, mom, I've blown on my butt. Am I dying? We should go to the hospital. I don't know what's going on. And my mom was like, all right, let's let's go. I have something to tell you. Let's talk about this. And she's like, so I'm sure you learned in health class about, you know, um, menstrual cycles. And I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, what is, what, mom? And she's like, you have your period and I was so embarrassed and I was like oh my gosh like I have menstrual cycles what and then I asked my brother I was like why do why do we have to go through this and you don't this is the most embarrassing thing of my life and like that at that moment like it kind of changed the course of a lot for me because I was like ah now I really you know that's when I started like growing boobs and I started getting the the curves and I really hated it and you know, it it kind of changed how my brother and my cousin looked at me, too. They started making, like, dumb sexist jokes every time I would hang out with them. They would say, like, oh, you should make it a, us a sandwich and, like, all these dumb things. Um, but I still hung out with them because I was like, this is what's interesting to me. Um, and, like, in relation to my older brother, 
uh, our relationship is more like we didn't really hang out a lot, but like he's like he gives he instills a lot of wisdom in me. So we have like a really good relationship because um, because we're like. I don't know. My older brother, he he really looks out for me, and it's always been like that growing up. Um, but yeah, the gender stuff was like real. Like, I remember in high school, I would go through these phases where I'd be like, I was very much into skater like culture, and so I would wear like you know all the skate like Vans, like Vans shirts with the Vans skate shoes and all these things, and then I remember. Um, I was hanging out with these group of girls and they were like, you can't dress like that if you hang out with us. You have to wear Hollister or, you know, dumb shit. So I remember for a good, like, year, I, like, pretended to be super femme and every single day I was so uncomfortable with my life. I hated myself. I, like, wanted to go home and, like, I, you know, I would constantly tell my brother, like, yo, like, can I just hang out with you? Like, because... My younger brother, he just wanted to be cool, so he thought hanging out with his sister wouldn't be as cool um, in high school. But, like, during the weekends, if it was just us three, me, my cousin Bilal, and, and Jad, then it would be, like, fine. But, I don't know. I remember, like, in middle school and high school, it was, like, pretty rough after, you know, the the menstrual cycle period. Um, <laughs> and... I was always, I don't know. And then in terms of gender stuff of my whole family, I know you didn't really bring up my whole family, just my brothers, but my whole family, that was an interesting thing too because my parents, they definitely had an inkling about my questions of gender because, and I would constantly get like, I would get my parents really annoyed because I would wear like my brother's clothing and my dad would just be like, you cannot wear that. You have to be a young lady. Like, you have to, you know, conduct yourself like a young woman. Um, and my mother was the same way. And um, every time we'd go shopping as a family, I would always go to the men's section. And my dad used to get, like, pissed. He'd be like, you cannot wear this. Like, you're not allowed to wear this. This is just for your brothers, not for you. Um, but I would, like, always figure out ways to sneak in, like, masculine clothing. Um and I think, you know, the question, too, of, like, dating was a weird thing because um, my bro- my, both of my brothers dated a lot, um, sec- though secretly, pretty secretly, especially with my dad. My dad, like, he's, you know, very anti-dating. But with my dad, like, you know, he was he would always tell me, like, you cannot hang out with boys, you cannot do all these things. And then I remember there was a switch in high school where he was like, this is weird, like, you're, like, you hang out with boys, but you don't talk about boys, you don't, like, act like you have a crush on boys, like, what's going on? So then he started getting weird with me hanging out with women, so, like, he did this thing where he was like, you can't sleep over at any of your friends' houses, because he was so confused, he was like, my, he's like, my daughter isn't, like, like, I'm here being like, you should get married to a Muslim man or an Arab man, and you're not excited about marrying any man, like, I'm so confused, um, and so, like, even me growing up, like, in high school, I was, like, confused about my sexuality in the sense of, like, I would try really hard to, like, like a guy. I'd be like, I think I have a crush on you. And then I would talk to my friends and be like, so what does a crush feel like? Like, do you, like, just, it's nothing, right? It's like, you don't have any attraction. You're just, like, pretend like you do, right? And they'd be like, no, like, you get butterflies in your stomach. And I'm like, 
I've never gotten that with any of these guys that I try to like have a crush on. And, but then like, I realized uh, that I started liking girls cause I worked at this pizza place and um, there's this, I'm not going to say her name just in case she might <laughs> listen to this, but um, I remember we worked at this pizza place and like every time I would talk to her, I'd like get butterflies. I would like daydream about her, all these things. And then I was like, ah, oh, like, is this, am I lesbian? You know, all these, and then I, like, there was a lot of internalized homophobia that went on during that period, so then I really tried to repress that, um, along with my gender stuff, so that was a long-winded answer to, um, gender dynamics, but definitely gender, like, played a huge role in a lot of my understanding, and actually, like, if I really wanted to go deep about, like, how gender really affected me, um, and how I started to get an idea about, you know, me not really identifying as a woman or as a feminine person. Um, something that, you know, I did growing up. And, th- like, I can't believe I'm publicly saying this, but I think, like, it really sets the context of, like, my relation to me being trans was that growing up, like, um, I would say... So when I was, like, 13 up until 18, um, I I spent a lot of time on the computer. I was, like, uh, I was one of those kids who just, like, was constantly just, like, on, like, dumb shit all day. Um, so, like, I would go on, like, Neopets, and then I would go to, like, these chat rooms, and, like, I um, eventually, uh, yeah, I was just, like, constantly on chat rooms, and... What I would do is like, this is, this is so embarrassing to say, but you know that show Catfish. So I used to catfish people and pretend that I was um, a guy. So like, I would chat with people as if I was a guy, and that was like since for me my way of like being able to fully express myself the way I wanted to, and like nobody knew who I was. So I I got pretty good at it. Like you know, people would call me on the phone, and I'd really like lower my voice and um I would you know act as if I was a guy and when I would dream I would dream as if I was a guy and I would really like I don't know it was it was like really weird I got caught like numerous times by my parents and my parents were very confused about it um one time this one girl called my parents house or the home line and told my dad about it, and my dad was furious. He was like, why would you do this? This doesn't even make sense. Why are you pretending to be a guy? Like, you're. why aren't you happy with who you are? Like, um, and, and then I would just be like, I don't know. And then so they sent me to therapy to, like, sort it out, and then therapy didn't help because all the therapists really wanted to focus in on was that I was Muslim and, like, queer-ish, you know? Um, and so for so for a long time, I was just like, I didn't really know what was going on. I had no idea really what being trans was about. Um, I never met a trans person in my life during that time. I never really heard trans stories. I wasn't surrounded by like, I was surrounded by queers, but we never, like we were the, the queer high school kids that like didn't come out as queer up until like the end of college because like we knew there was something interesting about us, but like we didn't know exactly what. So we never talked about queer things. So I just, I had no understanding of it. Um, so actually it's interesting cause when I came out, um, so first I came out 
to my dad as like a queer woman um, when I was like 21. Oh, can you uh, wait just one sec because of the fire? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. All right. Let's continue. Yeah. I think it's far away enough. All right. Cool. Um, so when I was 21, I came out, or like 20, I was 20 actually. I, when I was 20, I came out to my dad as like a queer woman or whatever. Um, and my dad, it was a funny way because he gave me the marriage talk and he was like, you have to start thinking about marriage. Like, you know, you have, you know, I have to, you know, find a husband for you, all these things. And I was like, listen, like, I don't ever want to get married. <laughs> and my dad was like, Okay, there's two reasons why. He's like, the first one is because, uh, the first reason is like, you don't want to get married now, you want to wait till you're 30, you want to travel, you want to find yourself, all these things. And the second one is you have no desire for men. And I was like, yeah, the second one, I have no desire for men. You hit it on the nail. And then my dad was like, okay, interesting. Um, I guess it makes sense a little bit. Um, so, like, I came out, like, when I came out as queer to my dad, he was, like, accepting, but, like, still, like, very wary about things, and then a year later, I came out to him as a trans man, and that's when he was, like, I knew this all along, and I'm, like, why, why do you say that? How did you know that all along? And he was, like, because of all of the behaviors you, you, like, had as a child and, like, as an adolescent in high school and stuff, he's, like, your whole life, you basically fought to be your brothers, or you fought to be a, a boy. And, you know, from the clothing you wanted to wear, the constant fights we'd have, to you pretending to be a guy online, and, like, you know, how that was, like, such a thing. And for me, like, I didn't make that connection until my dad said that. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I did all of that, like, online stuff just because like not just because but like a lot of it had to do with like me not being comfortable with who I was and me wanting to just express myself in the way that I th I thought I or I am not I mean I am not those people that I pretended to be online but like I still I still like I understand like my 14 year old brain much more now that I came out as trans so how did you feel when your father said that to you? At first I was, like, really embarrassed. Um, but then I was, like, relieved. Did it surprise you that he had that insight? Yeah. It surprised me a lot because when I came out as trans to my dad and to my family, honestly, I thought it was, like, I don't know. When I, um, when I first started exploring the idea of being trans... I talked to, like, numerous trans people before I was like, okay, I'm definitely trans. Um, and I had conversations with a lot of them, and I remember this one trans woman was like, before you come out to anybody, just prepare to sacrifice everything in your life just to be who you are. And that really freaked me out, like, but I understood it. But it freaked me out, so, like, because I didn't really have, like, the context of, like, how some folks that would apply to more than others. But I was like, okay, I went into like coming out as trans, like in this way of like, I'm prepared to sacrifice everything I have just so I could be myself. So I kind of went in with that mentality 
of like I told my dad like I was trans and I was ready to be like I'm trans and I don't care what you say and I'm just gonna peace out um but like my dad was like okay yeah <laughs> it makes sense like and like also my dad he said it in this super Arab way too which I still think is a little messed up because he's like oh yeah like of course you're you like women so of course you're trans rather than being like a queer woman anyway <laughs> but that's like another issue but like this when he came when he first talked to me about like like I knew you were like this for a while like I was I was relieved honestly I was like oh this isn't gonna be like a bigger fight than I thought it was so was it would you say that it was easier for him to accept you as a trans man than as a queer woman? Yeah, way easier. Way easier. Um, and actually, for my mom, it's it was easier for her to accept me as a queer woman than a trans man. Um, so, like, that was, like, an interesting thing to navigate. But now both of my parents are, like, both understanding either way. But, yeah, like, my dad, he was really hesitant with me coming out as a queer woman um, or being a queer woman because he... I think a lot of it had to do with just as like fu- already like fucked up ideas about like like um like queerness and like homosexuality and stuff. But I also think that a lot of it had to do with him being like yeah, but like I th- there's something more there than you just being like a sexuality thing. I think my dad had a very nuanced idea about like sexual orientation and gender than I thought he did cuz he knew how to separate the two. In a, in a much easier way, so I think, yeah, I don't know. So how, in terms of dealing with your extended family, how was that? Yeah. You talk a li- or are you willing to talk a little bit about that? And, you know, given the differences that your parents had and the reaction to? Yeah, so, like, c- coming out as trans, like, I already had the notion in my head. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to go to Palestine. So, like, I I went to Palestine a lot, like, almost every summer growing up. Um, I'm very close to, to my... Jemaine. To Jemaine, yeah, to my dad's village. Um, and so I'm, I have a very close relationship with my grandmother and my cousins and my uncles and my aunts there. And I was like, okay, if I come out, like... It was like, I honestly, like, cried for, like, a week because before I came out because I was like, this is going to be, like, like, screw the Israelis, like you know, I don't, it doesn't even matter if they're going to let me in again or not. Like I, I, I'm probably not going to be able to see them again because they're going to, you know, not accept me as being trans. So like when I came out to my dad, I like, that was one of the first things I said. I was like, listen, I know that this is going to ruin my relationship forever with family back home. And I understand that. And I fully like, you know, accept that sacrifice or whatever. And my dad was like, yeah, this is going to be hard to navigate. Like, my dad was also like, yeah, this isn't going to be easy. We shouldn't tell them. Don't post anything on Facebook. Don't post anything anywhere. Um, and so it wasn't until two weeks. So, like, I posted something on Instagram um, about, like, a picture and, like, of me saying something about being trans. I didn't take my dad's advice. So somebody, so one of my cousins, like my third cousin in my village or something, saw it, and then went straight to my grandmother and told which everybody. Which means everyone. Which means everyone saw it. It was the talk. <laughs> it was the talk of the whole village. Like everyone knew I was trans. So then my dad gets a call from my grandmother and um, my dad, and then she's like, "Listen, like I saw, you know, like that." 
um, that my my birth name is Dania. So she was like, I saw that Dania came out as a trans man, and that her 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 name is Ezadine now, and I would just say that now he is my grandson. Ezadine is my grandson, and I just gained a new grandson, and then, and that's amazing. And my dad told me that. Because when my dad, when I came home, my dad, like, sat me down, and he was, like, very, like, serious, and he's, like, so your grandmother called me, she found out, and I was, like, and I started bawling already, because I was, like, damn it, like, this is the end, this marks the end, and then my dad was, like, and this is what she said, she said that she gained a new grandson, and then I started bawling more, because I was, like, oh, my God, like, if my grandmother says that, like, she's, like, the matriarch of the family, like, that means that, like, I'll be able to go back home and visit Palestine. And, like, to me, that was, like, the biggest... My grandfather is not... My grandfather passed away okay. when I was two years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, when I... So, in terms of my family in Palestine, like, I'm I'm so lucky. Like, my story is, like, I'm one of the luckiest people in terms of, like... Who, who I know in terms of, like, my relationship with my family, like, being as strong as ever. Because I know a lot of folks who, like, don't have that same fortune. And for me, like, I went back home to Palestine this summer, and then I went again um, this January. And this past January, um, I was able to go to my village and stay there and, like, spend time with my family. And everyone just is, like, super supportive of me, and they're... Yeah, my grandmother, to the degree, she wants to find me a wife, and that's, like, really weird because I'm like, uh, I don't really want to get married at all. And she's like, no, but you have to get married. So it's kind of like this weird thing where she accepts me so much that they still want me to conform to, like, the normal, quote-unquote, traditions of, like, what it, the role of a man, basically. So um, in terms of finding you a wife, would that be within the village? Yeah, or within Palestine, like any Palestinian really? village. They're yeah, open. Oh, okay. they're open to it. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, but Very liberal. It's so liberal. I know. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's like interesting because my grandmother, like, okay, but like on the other side of my on my mom's side of the family, I'm like estranged from them. I don't talk to them, and actually, they don't really support me being trans. The white side. The white side. So, like, for, for them, like, it's it's just funny because, like, when people are like, oh, your family in Palestine must really hate you and not accept you. I'm like, well, actually, my family in Palestine, they're, like, hella down with me being, like, a trans person. And on the other side, my white side of the family, they really hate me um, because I'm trans. And not just because I'm trans, but because I'm, like, like Palestinian and, like, I, I'm, like, I, like, identify as, like, somewhat Muslim, you know? So, like... My my dad's side of the family in Palestine, like, they, you know, I still talk to them. I talk to them all the time. And my cousins, it was actually really funny. Here's a funny story. So I was there this summer, and um, I was in the car with my grandmother and my three little cousins. Um, my cousin Leanne, Rama, Leanne's two, Rama's seven, and Razan, she's like 13. Was this the first time you're going back since transitioning? Yeah, it was the first time going back since transitioning. Um, and the last time I was there prior was in 2014 before I physically transitioned. Um, and so, and so I met Rama. She was like, when, she was four when I, when I was last there, um, before I transitioned. So we're in the car and, um, 
I'm like driving my grandmother and my cousins back to the village to drop them off after we like hung out. We had like a picnic or something that day. And Rama is like in Arabic to my grandmother is like, Tata, where's Dania? Which is my birth name. And Tata's like, my Tata was like, what do you, what do you mean? Grandmother. My grandmother was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, where's Dania? And Rama was like, I remember I had a cousin named Dania. And, you know, she kind of remind she kind of looks like him, but like, is not him. Like, where is Dania? Is she dead? And my Tata started cracking up. My Tata was, my grandmother was just like laughing hysterically. And she was like, she was like, you could say that, but also like, I don't know. Yeah, you could say that. And my cousin Razan, who was 13, she like, she knew. So she, and you know, I think that she had the conversation with Rama after and was like, they're the same person. <laughs> um, how'd she explain it though? Do you know how she explained it? I don't know how she explained but when I came back this January, Rama came up to me and was like, I know that you're the same person. I understand now. And I, I was like, oh, Shatra, like, yeah. like <laughs> I don't know. Shatra yeah. means like, yeah, yeah, yeah. smart thinking. Yeah. yeah, smart girl. Yeah, smart girl. Like, and it was just so, it was just so funny because I was like, this is really, I don't know, it's just so telling. My family is so cool with everything. And there was also a moment this past January where, um, where I was sitting with my family and one of my uncles, he like, he has like severe schizophrenia and he like has mental health issues. And so he like wasn't very much in the know of like who I was and, mm. and my transition or anything. So I was like at my grandmother's house and, um, they came over my, my uncle and my, one of my, to my two cousins, they came over and, you know, he's saying hi to everyone. So like everyone's in a circle. He's like going one by one. He's saying hi, salamu alaikum to everybody. And he gets to me and he's like, salamu alaikum. Who are you? Like, who is this? I'm confused. And everyone just like stops talking. Everyone's like, uh, <laughs> and then my cousin Sundus is like, oh yeah, that's, um, as a Dean, um, you formerly known as Dania. Um, the, he's the son of Musa. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, what do you mean the son of Musa? I, you know, I know Jad and Khalid, but I don't know this one. And so Sundus was like, yeah, like, you know, um, he's now a man. And then he was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, Habibi. Like, he, like, gave me this big hug, and he was like, I missed you so much. Like, I haven't seen you in so long. And, like, it was just, like, very, like, welcoming and, like, I don't know. And then he invited me over to his house the next day, and I, and I just sat down and had conversations with him. Um, like everything was, you know, normal. So, yeah. So how, so before telling your father, you were very nervous that you were going, never going to see your family in Palestine, etc. And their reaction was very welcoming. What, what do you think, why do you think they were so welcoming and affirming? Like, how do you think they make sense of you? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it, so there's like a few reasons why, um, I think some of it, I think, you know, for some of them, they think that they don't really understand the full concept of, like, transgender or, like, transition. I think a lot of it is, like, they think, um, from what I hear, from how my cousin kind of describes how some people think of me, is, like, I was born two genders or I was born the wrong gender, which, I, you know, I was born the wrong gender, <laughs> you know, or the wrong, yeah, how right. I see it. 
But, like, they see it as, like, you know, like, maybe I was born, like, intersex or, you know. Um, and so I, I made, like, my parents made the wrong decision or something like that. Um, so that's how some of them see him, see me. But I also think that a, a lot of it, too, has to do with the fact that because I am transitioning into a man, like, being a trans man, it just makes much more sense to them that, like, oh, you were always masculine. This makes much more sense. Like, we have a, you know, of course you want to be a man. Like, it's, you know, this would be so different if I was, you know, transitioning into a woman, a male to female. I think that, like, for various reasons, but I think that the fact that my pa- my family, like, accepts me is a lot to do with, you know, that I'm just, like, a grandson. I'm, like, I'm strong and, yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about the other things that changed within your family besides being offered, you know, a, yeah. a marriage? What other things changed in your role? Well, I actually know who my uncles are now, like, in the sense of, like, I can talk to them about, you know, them. Like, it was. it's really interesting. I have this one uncle. His name is Muhammad. And growing up, you know, like, he's married to my to my my dad's sister, my aunt. And growing up, like, he wouldn't really talk to me. He would engage with me and my mom. Like, he was he's very conservative. Like, he doesn't talk to women, really, except for his wife and, like, my grandmother. And so, like, you know, I knew nothing about this guy. I didn't, I didn't know his personality, really. He's just very reserved and quiet. And then when I, you know, came back as a trans guy, he you know, now I know everything about him. He messages me on Facebook all the time and is, like, checking in on me and, like, wants to talk to me about things. Um, you know, he works, he's a construction worker in, in Israel, um, and he, you know, I rented a car, and so he, like, called me up and was like, hey, can you pick me up in Tel Aviv? Like, and then we, like, just went on the, you know, we we were in the car for, like, a while and, like, had these amazing conversations about just politics, his own life, like, he's building a house, he invited me to help him work on his house, you know, Um, and so just my relationships to Palestinian men have changed um, in a lot of ways, and my relationships to Palestinian women, because now that I'm seen as a man, I can't be as, you know, um, I don't know what the word is, cozy with Palestinian women, I don't know what the word is, like, I, you know, it's harder for me now, like, I, every time I'm in Palestine now, I have to, like, really be careful about, like, like, my, my touching, my interactions, how I come off, um, because, yeah, because I'm seen as a guy, so, like, you know, when I would be with my, when when I'd be with my cousins who are, who are women, like, or young women, like, you know, we used to just, like, hang out all the time, and whatever, and now I just, like, have to be very reserved with him, um, and so that, like, it took me a little while to, like, get used to. Um, I think, too, a lot of it is, like, to be honest, like, being a man anywhere, you are treated, like, with the utmost respect, and you are a king. And in Palestine, like, I definitely felt that. Like, before, it was, like, really hard for me. And my, especially my village is very, very conservative in Palestine. Um, like, women can't even go outside. I used to get scolded for going outside. Um, and now it's, like... I walk outside and everyone's like, you know, Ibn Musa, the mm. son of Musa, come here. Like, mm. let's let's get you tea. Let's talk about life. You know, mm. it's very like I can be up and like I can be more of myself. And a lot of that has to do with me tra- transitioning. But I could just like be me 
Um, and it's like just really, 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 really weird being a like a Palestinian man in society. Um, also in relationship to like because Palestine is under occupation by the Israeli government. Um, just my relationship to the Israeli army and police are much different. Um, now I'm more seen as a threatening Palestinian man than I am, you know, a non-threatening Palestinian woman, which has definitely, like, changed dynamics. I remember growing up and see the, the difference in how they would treat my older brother and my younger brother rather than they, how they would treat me. And they would treat my older brother, like, at checkpoints very aggressively because he was a bigger, you know, guy. And, you know, now, like, when I went through checkpoints, um, of course I have an American passport, but even with an American passport, like, they see my name, they see that I'm an Arab man or a Palestinian man, and they get, like, very, they get, like, more confrontational with me than, than before. Um, so those are, like, just some of, I guess, the, the differences that I, I notice when I'm, like, back in Palestine now as, a, like, a trans man or as a, like, uh, you know, a passing man. Um, and a lot of it has to do, too, with, like, I am, I come off as, like, very masculine in, like, in how I'm perceived. So that's also, and I'm a bigger guy, so, yeah. Uh, when you went to Palestine, did you just stay in the village, or did you make an attempt to connect with other trans people or gender nonconforming people in Palestine? Um, so I went to Palestine um, for, like, a work thing, because I work, like, on Palestine media stuff. Um, and also, well, that was this January, and then in the summer, I went and I led a delegation of Americans to Palestine. Okay. All right. Um, I forgot my chance, but... So, I was asking you if in this last time that you went okay. to Palestine, did you try and connect with, um, other trans or gender nonconforming, uh, Palestinians? Um, so this past summer I was there on a delegation. I was like leading a delegation. And so, um, I, I'm pretty, I have like, I'm pretty close to folks like who do like activism, um, in, in like the West Bank particularly and Jerusalem. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time there with like, but like not a lot of them identify as like trans or gender non-conforming um so like this summer not as much but when I was there this summer or when I was there in January um I was there for a work trip where I gave like social media trainings to different organizations and um I one of the organizations that I worked really closely with was El Kaus um which is a Palestinian like LGBTQ organization that does work um, not only like for Palestinians inside of Israel, but also Palestinians inside of the West Bank. Um, and it's very much like uh, oriented around um, support and giving support and services to the LGBTQ community um, in the in the in the Palestinian society. And so I did this like training with um, young people on social media and digital security, and it was like the first time that I really fully engaged with, like, the LGBTQ community in, in the West Bank I'm in, a, in a way that wasn't just, like, one or two people, but, like, um, yeah. And I think that 
when it comes to trans and gender nonconforming, I honestly didn't really connect with too many folks. Um, there was like maybe one young person that I met who like I I keep in contact with, um, but my really good buddy um, was there and they identify as uh, trans trans masculine, and they're from New York also um, <laughs> and Palestinian, so we have like a pretty close bond. Um, but it was like really cool to like explore Palestine together. I took them to my family's village and they met my grandmother and they met my, you know, all my cousins. And it was like such an amazing like, uh, experience because here's like two trans Palestinians, um, just like being like roaming free, not freely. It's really messed up to say freely and under occupation, but like roaming, in Palestine, like, we ha I had rented a car and, like, just roaming in Palestine and just being able to, like, be ourselves and connect with all these people and, like, you know, connect with people on in, on such a real level, too. Um, and, you know, yeah, like, that was, like, a profound experience for me um, because we were able to, like, still be very, like, trans and, like, also, like, queer on our own terms, but also, like hold the balance of, like, our Palestinian identity and, like, explore what it's like to be, like, Palestinians who grew up in the United States and, like, having to be there and, like, navigate the language barriers and then sometimes the cultural barriers and, yeah, it was good to experience that with somebody else who understood where I was coming from. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess just to circle back, um, what um what brought you to new york from albuquerque i've always had uh a desire <laughs> to come to new york i've always been in love with the idea of new york um since i was young um a lot of it has to do with just like cultural stuff so i i was really really into like like breakdancing culture um, and so I, I would just watch all these documentaries about New York and like how it came out of, you know, this place. It's like the Mecca of hip hop and break dancing. Um, and so that kind of like stemmed it. And then when I started getting older, like I growing up in Albuquerque, you sometimes just feel so enclosed to everything because everything just stays the same. It's very slow pace. It's very like you just kind of grow up with the same people up until like you get married basically. Um, and so I didn't want that for me. I wanted to explore the world. I wanted to explore. I wanted to live in other parts of the U S and New York was like one of those places. Um, so when I came here, the first time I came here, it was like for uh, a conference for students for justice in Palestine, which I was like heavily involved in. And then I met like, you know, all these um, people who, you know, were Palestinian, but also, like, had pretty down politics. It wasn't, like, back home where I felt, like, shamed for being queer and trans. Um, so I was like, oh, this is cool. I think I could, like, find maybe a community here. So then I started making friends with all these, like, amazing, you know, not just, like, people who identify as, like, LGBTQ or, like, queer or whatever, but, like, Palestinians who just, like, were, like, you know, weren't weren't as judgmental of, like, my queer and trans identity so i just want to clarify so in albuquerque you i felt that way i felt that way from the palestinian from the palestinian muslim community there because when i came out as trans and queer like 
they weren't down with that as much. Um, which is like, you know, now they're down, but before they were, they were like very resentful of me being queer and trans, especially because I was like very active around Palestine, like the issue of Palestine. Um, so in New York, you know, I felt like I could still be active around the issue of Palestine and not lose my like identity or feel shameful of being queer and trans. Um, so it took me a while to like actually make the move here. I've been wanting to do this move since I was like 20. Um, but it took me a while. It took like a few breakups later to like be like, you know what? I just need to, to just move on. Um, and actually a big reason why I moved here is because um, I felt stuck and I feel I felt very like, like I said, like at the beginning of this interview, Albuquerque is a place where like everybody just knows everything about you. They, they like there's no sense of like being anonymous there. And I really felt like, you know, people were relying on me to do a lot of things. And like I felt like obligations towards a lot of people and like because of my organizing and I just, you know, I just couldn't take it anymore. So my good buddy who I saw in Palestine, the other trans-Palestinian masculine person, um, was like, was like, dude, just, like, move here. I have a room open. Just, like, make your move. Um, because before that, I was, like, in a very dark, depressive state where I, like, just got out of a relationship with somebody I really loved. I, you know, that, that person, um, you know, really, I don't know. It was just like a hit. Um, (laughs) and not only that, people were just asking so much of me. So I was like, this is my time. So I moved to New York and I'm so glad I did. Like, I love New York and I continue to meet amazing people um, and just, like, it's a challenge for me, which I, like, in Albuquerque, it was a bit too comfy for me, like, I was very comfortable there because my family was there, and, like, you know, uh, I didn't really seek out opportunity as much as I wanted to, so, but here in Albuquerque, or in, here in New York, like, you, you know, you have to really hustle, you, like, have to, you have to make your way to, you know, really survive the city, I feel, um, which I love, I like the challenge and the obstacles, so... Yeah, I'm in New York City. And it's cool, too, because, like, there's such, like, a... I don't know. I could just be anonymous and walk through the streets and not really feel like I have to perform a certain way or be a certain way or act a certain way. I could just be me, which is such a beauty of this city. Like, And I feel like that's why what draws a lot of, like, queer and trans people here is, like, the idea that you could just be you. You know, I'm sure that it's not, like, it's different for different people experiences, but for the most part, yeah, for me at least, it's like that. Um, is there anything that you um, would like to add about your experience, or I'm trying to think of what else? Yeah, I mean... That you would like to talk about or include <laughs> in this? I mean, I think not really. Right now I'm kind of like, you know, I'm like two years into my transition, physical transition. Um, 
and my body is changing like it's changed so much and it's continuing to change and you know I'm like constantly questioning in my head now about like my position of being a trans person um and like a trans man and a trans masculine man and like a trans straight masculine man like and how when I roam through the world now I'm not perceived as like queer or like perceived as you know like I'm just perceived as a dude honestly and you know it's really I've been struggling with like this idea identity of being trans and like because I I like carry it with me but like um I don't know like I'm really happy that there are you know places to keep our stories alive because I feel so many times either we shy away from like fully accepting our transness or society um doesn't accept us for being trans so we run away from it um like this is like kind of like me being able to articulate and talk about my story like really helps with my understanding of like oh yeah like I need to stay strong and be trans like I can't just like hide with this like identity this passing identity that I have now being a man <laughs> so I don't know that's just like a thought I had in my head that I wanted to express but it, it's really irrelevant to the rest of the conversation <laughs> I mean it's it's good it's a good addition um did you did you want to say more about why you find you know why you find passing somehow like problematic a little bit or or not problematic but you're wary wary of what that means I mean I don't really necessarily find it problematic because like I feel comfortable with it like I'm comfortable like when I walk through the streets before when I was like before top surgery and really before hormones you know um it was like difficult like being ID'd as like like non-binary or not I wouldn't be ID'd as non-binary I'd just be ID'd as like a queer like which was like it had it's like it was awesome in so many ways because I loved it like I honestly think that being queer and like being able to like it's like so much fun it's like the best way to live life is to be queer and I think that's part of the reason why I'm so wary maybe it's not so much wary about passing but it's kind of like a mournfulness like I'm kind of mourning the fun and that I did have when I was just like ID'd as queer and like I lit like and not just ID'd as queer by like outer society but like by queer communities because now when I go into some queer spaces I'm like not really ID'd as like a queer person I mean sometimes like like I know that people are very conscientious about like asking pronouns and like all these things um but like now I just feel like a dude <laughs> like a straight dude in these spaces and I miss I miss kind of like being queer but I also like I'm comfortable with walking down the street as a dude because I don't get harassed so it's like this balance but I don't know if I'm not making sense. But. No, it makes sense. Okay. What What did you find most fun about being queer? Like what? It... Everything. Like, <laughs> I think the the best. Like, I remember when I would first go to my first queer parties, and everyone was just like doing their own thing and not caring about society's rules about how you're supposed to like how society wants you to like dress or act or 
just be like you would go into these spaces and everyone just would do their own thing and like just be their full authentic self and express it in the way that they wanted to and I just remember you know being so amazed at that and then people would like pull me in and like be so accepting of me and I wouldn't have to pretend you know I wouldn't my insecurities just went away and you know like being queer is like putting two middle fingers up in the air and saying fuck you world I'm gonna do whatever I want and now I just feel like I'm like I'm like not doing that I'm just like conforming back into society and just being a straight dude a straight masculine guy like you know like and it's boring it's kind of boring. The hetero life is sometimes really boring, you know? And, yeah. I don't know. That's, I guess, what I meant <laughs> when I said that. Um, I guess that's a good that's a good thought to kind of end on and ruminate <laughs> on. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing all these, like, really personal stories. And, um, and um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, especially like, you know, as Palestinian, it's so rare that we hear a story of um, someone's experience with their family on, on these issues. And yeah, I, thank you. Thank you, Nadia. <laughs>